0: happening now. We'd like to welcome our viewers from across North America and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room, episode 118 for December the 12th, 2018. This is Wes Fryer talking in a cheesier manner than I normally do, so I'll try to not weird you out. But I am so excited to be here on a very special episode of the EdTech Situation Room. Uh, This harkens back actually to Gosh, years ago, uh, I did some shows with uh, with Karen Montgomery. Did we did, the, did we did we do the technology shopping cart at the end of the year? Did we did we did we do that uh, with Langhorst with with uh, Eric? I don't think we did. Well, we I
1: did think that's the first time.
0: Interview. Okay, so anyway, yeah. years, I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, we would do this idea of a technology shopping cart. So West Fryer, coming from Oklahoma City, director of technology at the Cassidy School. Joined, as always, by my good friend, Dr. Jason Neifer, Uh, probably the resource as far as geek gifts go for everywhere uh, north of the Kansas-Nebraska line, like just the whole nation. So, Jason, how are you this fine evening?
1: I am super well, Dr. Fryer, and I am joining you tonight from Missoula, Montana, which is uh, the pride of western Montana. I'm not sure what that means. but We'll say it anyways. And um, it's getting a little Christmassy around here. The weather is chilly, although uh, most of the snow for a big snow, snow dump three weeks ago has melted. And so now we're just trying to keep an eye on whether or not we will have a white Christmas here in a couple of weeks.
0: Excellent. Well, normally we are here on Wednesday nights. We're here on Wednesday night tonight, but we're talking about the news through an educational lens, and you can find all of our show notes at edtechsr.com slash links, but tonight we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to uh, talk about some gifts for that special someone in your life that might like something a little geeky, but Jason, I think you have a good piece of advice when it comes to buying for geeks. Uh, how, how would you recommend folks approach our recommendations and they 're buying for for the geek in their life?
1: Well, it's important to understand that the geekier someone is about something, the more likely it is that you would have a hard time finding them a gift that they would truly appreciate. Now, to be clear, any gift is a great gift, right? Like when you're giving something from your heart, that's always a wonderful thing. But uh, if you have someone that is pretty geeky and they're super into something and they're really nerdy out over that special topic, unless you ask them for a gift recommendation or perhaps decide to go the gift card route, which is always a, a, a nice, flexible gift. To give, then maybe consider getting something that's you know outside of their geekdom, so that you know they probably have specialized things they like, and you know not that your gift isn't special to them anyways, but you know maybe consider not trying to find something if you don't have the expertise to get it. And the thing that I keep thinking about is um, I'm many varieties of geek, but I'm not an audiophile. I'm not really super into high end or vintage uh, equipment. I like the sound of a of, of a uh, uh, An old record, perhaps, on a a decent stereo system, but I couldn't really tell the difference between a decent stereo system and a super high-end stereo system. And your audiophile friends probably could, which means that is not a category to try to purchase something uh, interesting or meaningful unless you have the advice of another friend that has that geekiness themselves.
0: Okay. Well, with that piece of advice, we want to give a shout out to Peggy George in our chat room. Definitely encourage anyone who is joining us live to uh, chime in in the chat room. Um, Our Google Doc, which is linked from our normal Google Doc tonight is editable. So Peggy, if you want to add anything or or others, uh, join us. Uh, We are a small, intimate audience here, and we have not been trolled. We're not inviting trolls to come. But anyway, we've got that open as of tonight. I will turn that off for editing after we finish tonight's show. But here are the categories, Alex, Jason. Uh, We've got smartphone stuff, Internet of Things, books, robots, STEM, Steam, miscellaneous gadgets, home network equipment, photography and videography, software, nerd, paper gear, baggage, stocking stuffers, And other ideas. So, Dr. Neifer, where should we begin tonight?
1: Well, I think the Internet of Things uh, section is a good place to start, and I, we both dropped a couple of items in here. Um, I want to start off with that on the chance that that your nerdy friend or family member has not picked up a, a smart speaker, to be clear, not everyone is super into smart speakers because there are concerns, perhaps legitimate, perhaps not, uh, about privacy in these devices, but... There are a number of great, uh, 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 examples and I, the, some of them are, are really inexpensive for what you get out of the product. And so I'll start off with a good general recommendation, which is the Amazon Echo. Uh, the Amazon Echo is the most popular speaker available and I noticed that mine just turned on when I used the A word, so it's listening to me right now awkward um but it's probably gonna talk to me here the marvelous
0: what Mrs. a or whatever yeah
1: yeah the divine miss a um and um the speaker itself uh is usually under a hundred dollars for the 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 pretty decent model there's a pro model that has some extra speaker internals to it i've not purchased a recent one i'm still on a generation one in fact i'm going to reach over for it and See if the cord's long enough to show it off, and I have two of these bad boys in my home. And um, you can actually still find refurbished versions of Generation One, which are are dirt cheap now in places like Woot. But um, ignoring the fact. Of 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 maybe the perception of creepiness of the devices, they are excellent speakers that I think are really smart smart speakers from the standpoint of providing a, a an internet connected speaker um in your home. And so in my house, it's mostly for music. It's occasionally to find out weather outside or listen to the news, and then uh, once in a while it it can help uh you know answer a trivia question that might happen um at dinner time. And uh, last year. As I mentioned on the podcast, we had an exchange student from Sweden. He would often ask uh, either Alexa or uh, a Google Home that we have in our home uh, about uh, translations of things. Um, One side piece of advice, there's also the Echo Dot, which is a little tiny speaker. They're they're practically giving these things away. The speaker component of the Echo Dot Dot is not super great, um, but for a nightstand or if you just want to experiment with it, they're currently on sale 29 dollars 99 at Amazon. There's a link in, in our, our special show notes tonight, and it'd be a great way to get started with a smart speaker.
0: So my addition in the IoT category is the Google Hub Home. When Google had their event earlier this fall, and they announced a bunch of new products, this was the one that was the most interesting to me. Um, we are not, as as you are, Jason, a multi smart assistant family at this point. In fact, I think you have opportunity to give us some good advice about perhaps deciding, you know, which way to to go there when you're going to invest. Um, We have uh, four um, Google Home Minis. And so the Hub, pretty interesting that they opted not to put the camera on it, but this is essentially a smart tablet that you can put in your kitchen and then if you're going to, you know, for instance, uh, you know, use it to cook with, uh you can have a video play right there and be able to see it. You can also use this as the hub of your smart home and that's, you know, Google's play here along with all, you know, I say all the other co- companies, Amazon, um also Apple wanting to, you know, be the the center of your smart home. And so, I guess I would say to all of this, um well I I gave my parents Probably a, about a year ago, yeah, because they actually moved in, moved into their retirement community just before Christmas. Um, gave them a, a Google Home Mini. They've enjoyed the music aspect as far as just being able to say, "Hey, Hey G, play me such and such," and it's fun to talk to. Um, I really, you know, people might wonder, well, why would we do this? This is the only gift on our list, I would say, that is going to get better with time because the way that the developers are continuing to write code for the algorithms the the progression of artificial intelligence. I mean, this really gives you an opportunity to experience the march of technology in a very personal way in terms of the capabilities that it will have. And and I'll say that, you know, I have today and and every day, you know, interactions with the the assistant, uh, you know, in the morning, getting ready, uh, in the bathroom, hey, gee, you know, good morning. And then I'm hearing the weather. I'm hearing uh, the news start in the, the lineup of news items. Um, we do have one Chromecast in the house. Um, so this isn't as, as common, but I can ask for a video on YouTube and that can be played or, a, or a Pandora station where we have, uh, you know, Apple Music and we have, I have Pandora. So anyway, I'm not invested in the ecosystem of, uh, of Google's, um, Google Play Music. But anyway, it really, is an amazing thing to be able to, with your voice, you know, command and have things happen. Uh, we'll get, you know, Hey, what's, Hey G, what's showing at this theater? You know, when can we see such and such, um, you know, and, and then it'll send things to your phone. And so anyway, it's part of that Harry Potter experience that if you know the right words, and I'll, and I'll say this final thing, podcasts, for me, the number one way I listen to podcasts today is through my Google smart speaker. And, There are still some issues when you go room to room and you change speakers, and and I've learned there's a difference between saying pause and stop. I think it's usually better to say stop, but it will pick up many times where I left off, even on my iPhone when I open the Smart Assistant app. And I'm in the car, you know, then it will pick up that podcast where I left it off and being able to skip with your voice and, and all that. It's just it's phenomenal. So anything else that we need to think about, Jason, in the IOT category besides possibly an Echo Dot uh, Echo, um, one of the one of the generations or the Google Hub Hub Home?
1: Um, I have three quick, uh, quick hit uh, uh, gift ideas. If you know someone that already has one of these devices or wants to get really basically into smart home on, um, this is not just my opinion. Uh, other sites that rank these things agree with me here on this one, but the Wemo smart plug is a really excellent device to get started kind of on internet of things. I have about a half dozen of these bad boys in my home. The thing I love most about it is that you can set them up to where they have a timer on them. So it will turn the power off to the device after a determined amount of time So in my office, I have uh, two... Um, sets of uh, uh, power strips uh, plugged into the wall. One of them is in a timer, a timer Wemo plug, and one is not. The stuff that's plugged into the timer one is everything that, that it doesn't matter if it gets turned off, you know, after X amount of time. It just cuts the power off. So it's my monitors, it's my printer, um, it's my smart speaker. It's the things that, you know, if I walk away, I would want them to go away to conserve power. And then my desktop computer and my laptop are on the other power strip. So they never get turned off automatically, so I would never lose data or anything. And so I have them set up to where after two hours, they just turn off automatically for the purpose of saving power. Um, the outdoor version of that is called the iClever Outdoor Smart Plug, also works with Google Home and Alexa, uh, said her name again, I apologize. Uh, the, what I love about that particular device is that it's really hardy, and so I have a group of outdoor uh, kind of festival lights that are on a, a back patio that are controlled by that device, so I can turn them on with my voice or with the app. And then also these plug in to, I believe it's both the Amazon device and uh, the Google home, but I've recently really loved getting into tiles. Uh, tiles are little pieces of plastic that have a battery and um, a Bluetooth device in them. I happen to have one that's sitting in the middle of my uh, kind of dollar bill wad in my wallet, and these uh, get hooked up with your phone and can identify the location of wherever that device is at. So I have one in my backpack, I have one in my laptop bag, I have one in my wallet, I have one hanging on my keys, and the Tile app's amazing because not only does it tell you where it last saw it, it hooks up with other Tile users. If you lost something in a location where you're no longer at, it can tell you where your stuff is at if other tile users uh, happen to walk by that area and they kind of sniff out the tile pieces. and Those also work with uh, the Amazon and the Google devices. So tiles are super great too. We'll
0: hit this article perhaps in greater depth next week, but I I did see an article this week that there is a new feature for Madam A to be able to respond to email, to read you email. If there's a particular person that you're waiting for an email message, then you can tell it to notify you wow, that kind of thing is pretty exciting. How do you recommend, Jason, for those that haven't taken the leap into the smart assistant world to decide specifically between, I mean, the Apple world is pretty expensive as far as that speaker. So if they're choosing between a Madam A and Google Assistant, <clears throat> what's your advice?
1: I would generally defer to the Amazon device unless you are incredibly steeped in the Google world. So, for example, if you're a, a Mac Apple person, get, Get the get the Amazon device. Um, I, using them both, uh, I think the Amazon stuff is a little more advanced. There's more opportunities to do stuff with that particular device, and also I think the quality of the speakers are are better on the Amazon side as well.
0: As far as third third-party integration, there's just more kind of like the App Store for for Apple.
1: Absolutely, um, yep. Yeah. And you know, Google is is catching up. It's not uh, uh, uh it's not quite parity. I'm sure there will be at some point, but I think Amazon's well ahead of Google at this point.
0: OK, well, I'd like to take us to the category of robots. I know that you had dropped one in there. Uh, I do not think my wife is going to watch the show, so I can probably say this not too loud up the stairs, but she is really wanting uh, a robot for her classroom. And being able to have a physical computing device, whether you're thinking about your own kids or other kids of, you know, family members, um, or or you're thinking about your classroom as a teacher, Uh, Seymour Papert, the father of educational technology, um, talks a lot if you read... Uh, his, his books and writing about constructionism. It's different from constructivism, so we won't go crazy on the pedagogy, but basically building something in the real world and then seeing a manifestation of the code that you do on the, the computer or whatever device, is, it's a really powerful thing for learning. So the one that my wife is favoring the most right now is called the Edison robot. And so um, the Edison robot is at meetedison.com, and that has the capability to – you know, use a variety of different, um, uh, you know, software tools, uh, and then you can use Bluetooth and, you know, the, the entry level pack there is, is uh, $50. So I am excited. And so this is a little personal interest too. We're going to co-teach a uh, robotic physical computing class for, uh, I guess third and fourth graders, it's going to be in the, uh, the winter and spring. And so I think that's probably going to be what we'll, we'll do. And I'm excited I need to go ahead and get that ordered. But I'm going to mention a few other choices. One that a lot of people may not know about is called the Thymio robot. Um, I got to meet Sharon, um, Marz, am Not exactly sure if I'm saying her name last name right, but I can say Techie Kids because Techie Kids is, is her website. And I met her at the Atlas conference in, Washington D.C. this past April, and so she spent years um, as a teacher, and then she developed Thibio, and there's a lot of curriculum that goes with that as well. And it's a very flexible robot. It's at a a more expensive price point, so it's going to be about 190 to 225 dollars. But there's a lot of curriculum that you're going to get with that as well. Dash, which is a Wonder Workshop uh, robot, is a product of the Wonder Workshop and, and has a, a lot of great features in terms of, um, you know, bringing coding to life, you know, rolling around, being able to to move. But but probably not a- as much uh, flexibility as you'd see with the, the Thymio. Another one that my wife has mentioned, um, but, you know, I don't think we're getting this one is the OzoBot. Bot. Um, and so the OzoBot Bot is uh, is priced at a at a lower level. Um, but anyway, that's another one to consider. And then, lastly, I, <laughs> if you want to get out your checkbook uh, or debit card, as the case may be, uh, Lego robots. You know, Lego continues to to do all kinds of things with um, you know not only just the building of of traditional Legos, but with the ways that technology can interface both for young children and older children. And so, I've put a link to the the different building kits that they have. And uh, they've got a really good description of you know why should kids learn to program a robot? And so depending on the age of of your kids, you can find a lot of different options that they have there. Um, but again, you probably are going to you know be I don't know you you can drop quite a bit of money on on getting robots. And I'm only scratching the surface. So if you have a favorite robot that I have not mentioned, um, it's particularly one that would be you know useful in a classroom or thinking about kids learning to code. I'd love to hear what your experiences has have been and you know what you really. Uh, recommend because this is a, an area that most schools, if they're not already having some kind of robotics experience for students, uh, different teams, different ways to compete. It's not all about competition, but this definitely is something that we need to be seeing. Just like we have sports and athletic teams and fine arts, you know, seeing an opportunity for robotics is something that we should be having. I would say across the board as an opportunity for students. So, Jason, any thoughts about those robots? And then I know you have more of a commercial, uh, home, residential. Option that you dropped in the, the links,
1: right? Well, uh, you know, way more about robots than I do, Wes. I, I will say that this is an area that I wouldn't say I'm willfully ignorant in, it, but I've sat through a couple of vendor presentations. That's it. But I, I will uh, double down on the Lego recommendation. It is uh, uh the, their systems are uh, can can range into the very spendy, but it, it it's such a great platform, especially since it interfaces with you know. 50 year old Legos as well. So I I think that company does a really great job of staying relevant in every decade where they're dominant. So, um, I, I, my recommendation here, I took robots in a slightly different direction. I'm glad, Wes, you shared so many great classroom examples. Uh, the traditional, uh, robot vacuum cleaner is the Roomba. Uh, these things have been around for a decade or so now. They're, They're nothing new, but, uh, they're, they're becoming really great vacuum cleaners. That's what they are. It's a, a robot vacuum cleaner. It could also be a robot floor cleaner. But almost every single review of this device uh, suggests that whereas it was an interesting parlor trick 10 years ago, they're becoming, um, you know, pretty solid uh, performers in Houses, when it comes to kind of automated cleaning. And although I've never owned one myself, I have played with friends' as Roombas, and it's something that, that, if my parents still let me buy them Christmas gifts, would be the top of my parental Christmas gift uh, piece uh, because it, it, it is an effective uh, house cleaning device. And also, by the way, I believe it connects to both the Amazon and Google based home devices. Awesome.
0: Uh, would you like to take us to another category, sir? sure let 's
1: uh everything's just so geeky on this list uh let 's talk about um let 's talk about a quick one uh bags for nerds and by bags I mean daily carry bags and I have two recommendations here first to be honest uh, you know the nerdier your friend the more likely it is that they have a strong view on the bag that they carry with them it's something that it's a very personal decision for me but i have two great recommendations that have been part of my kind of long-term strategy the first one is i love tactical gear and it I, I'm not well I, I'm not really I, I hunt a little bit because I'm in Montana and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hunting family uh, my wife's family likes to hunt uh, but I like tactical gear because it carries geeky stuff really well my daily carry bag and I, I, I've had several of these now and this is the one I kind of settled on this is my 5.11 Tactical uh, a shoulder bag, and I love this thing, right? It is really a hearty piece of equipment, um, and I actually uh, bought this one used off of my doctoral advisor, uh, Martin Horaji. Shout out to Dr. Horaji if you happen to be listening. He does uh, listen from time to time, but I love this bag, and 5.11 Tactical makes dozens of wonderful bags from backpacks to, to very large uh, uh, things for deployment um and it has this the molly gear on it which means not only can i hang pens off of it and add pouches to it uh, it has a cell phone holder, which is too small for a modern cell phone. So it's become my tactical mouse holder. So I can, you know, here's my Bluetooth mouse that that hangs off of my bag. And all the 5.11 tactical gear stuff is super, super sweet and would recommend that as a potential bag. And then another bag that's a little more traditional, they make really wonderful messenger bags and computer bags, the Timbuktu 2. Uh, bag Company uh, makes wonderful kind of urban-style computer gear. Um, I take I take my daily carry bag or my EDC, as the nerds like to call it, um, very seriously. And both those products have my high recommendation. Awesome. Well, since you're mentioning gear, under Other Ideas, um, I've got a link to
0: a Learning in Hand premium T-shirt from Tony Vincent. And if you do not follow Tony Vincent, he is... An amazing educator and human being. Um, But he also has a great link on his site called Gear Used and Recommended, by Tony Vincent. So it's simply learninginhandcom slash gear. So I'm not going to go through all of that, but I will say, you know, over the years, um, Tony has been a huge influence on my life as a teacher and educational technologist. Um, one of the gear links, and I'll mention this one shout out, uh, is he has the brother QL 800 label printer, um, on his, on his list. I think the one that I have is an earlier, um, iteration. I'll actually drop that one in the, in the links as well. Um, Wow, what a what a great uh idea if you're teaching in uh, a workshop to just print out a short sticky label, put yep. your shortened link to your resources and your Twitter and your contact information, give that out, and then people can put that sticker on their conference, you know, um program or you know, whatever they're whatever they're carrying that's paper based. Uh that was a tip that I, I got from him a number of years ago. So
1: yep. shout out to him there. Um go ahead. I've actually seen uh, the he's put out some videos before uh, via Twitter with uh, the things he prints out for that. And they're really it's a a smart strategy and uh, quite clever. So I would assume that that almost every gear recommendation on here uh, is is extremely well thought through and quite clever.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Let's jump over to um, let's see. Well, shoot, let's do books. Um, I put a bunch of a bunch of books on here. And, you know, some of these are not at all educational technology related. Of course, you can get them on a Kindle or, you know, a different kind of uh, e-reader if you want to read in an iBooks and, and whatever. Apple's changed it to books instead of iBooks, by the way. Have you seen that? That's interesting. Maybe they're just cutting the eyes out of there. But uh, my top one is called Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Gregory McCohen. Um, not everybody's going to be a place in their life where they can do this. Um, but in general, having some boundaries and you know, recognizing the power of no and you know not saying yes to everything especially with regard to technology probably a lot of the folks listening to this podcast end up answering a lot of tech questions at work sometimes we can find ourselves overextended with so many different things that that people want to ask us to do and if you want to help folks and whatever anyway it's important to have boundaries so that is a fantastic book i actually listened to it a couple years ago on audible second one is called art and fear observations on the perils and rewards of art making Love this book. In fact, I included that in my 2013, which is the time, called Mapping Media to the Common Core. Uh, I'll be hopefully rebranding that as Show With Media um, this next year. But it's just fantastic thinking about creativity and risk and the ways in which we you know, need, need to have sandboxes to be able to be creative and to try out ideas. Um, and then a uh, third one would be The Book of Learning and Forgetting by Frank Smith. We're actually coming up on. An Anniversary of the Death of a Good Friend, Bob Sprankle. That was a favorite book of his, uh, a fantastic book about learning and about the ways in which the brain, uh, you know, actually, you know, in an authentic way, not in a just schooly way of I can regurgitate this back to you, um, app, you know, apprehends content and ideas and, and really is transformed by that. So, Jason, I know you've put a few books in here. What would you add to the list?
1: Well I uh, it's interesting I I I was involved in a discussion earlier today about uh uh, uh the notion that uh, it's hard to, to be critical of books on places like Twitter uh, so every every book is awesome right like that it, it's it's harder to everything
0: is awesome right the like lego
1: song well, and you know that uh, it's harder to to put a nuanced criticism in Twitter than it is to than it is to say you know it's really great. But if I were to talk about three books that have made a big difference for me, one a very recent one, and then two maybe a little more long term. Uh, first, uh, the the Dave Burgess book, Teach Like a Pirate. I will admit, I wanted to hate this book based solely on spec, right? Like the guy walks around dressed like a pirate, what a dork, da, 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 da. And I had the opportunity um, earlier this year to help moderate a discussion um, as part of the, the Virtual School Leadership Alliance as a professional development book study. And I, I moderated one of the weeks. And so I was forced to to buy the book and, and, and read it. And uh, very rarely do I find something that really kind of, I think, nails... Part of what a good, smart, uh, engaging classroom looks like. But if you really want to know what that 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 is, Dave Burgess's book is really amazing. I have not picked up any of the others in the series yet, including *Lead Like a Pirate*. But I am super interested in, in in perhaps reading that maybe over the holiday break. Um. But if you want some inspiration on how to create like a fun classroom in addition to an effective one, teach like a pirate. it. and I got to say, even the curmudgeonly teachers I know who are amazing classroom teachers, but you know, really aren't into this, like, make your classroom better by reading this book stuff. Part of what their magic, uh, part of why they're great teachers is described in this book. Um, The second book I would recommend is the best book I think that's ever written about teaching uh, from a cognitive standpoint, like what a cognitive science might say about teaching. It's it's, uh, Dan Willingham's Um, uh, Why Don't Students Like School? It's a 2009 book that I read uh, uh, at the recommendation of a friend and then ended up reading uh, in two different graduate school classes, and it is Outstanding! It dispels a lot of myths. Dan Willingham is on the front of kind of arguing uh, against the focus on uh, learning styles. He's the guy that's really called out the where learning styles has gone. Uh, I also think it's kind of funny because he has an open feud with Alfie Cohen, which I think is pretty funny. Like he's said some very uh, pointed things about uh, uh, particularly the homework book by Alfie Cohen. Um, but this is an amazing book that takes learning science and puts it in a day-to-day classroom. Uh, Uh, Means And you can get like cheap versions now. Usually used copies now are are well under the retail price. And it's probably sitting um, in the public library right now. And then the last book that is a little more um, uh, maybe philosophical, um, Getting Things Done, is David Allen's productivity book. And I'm I'm a self-help guy. I like reading self-help books. And I very rarely jump into any philosophy all in. But I oftentimes will borrow from many different philosophies from... Self-help gurus, but even though I can't, I can't pull off the whole David Allen system. It's, it's, it's too much mental bandwidth for me. Um, I'm a big list maker. I am constantly. Um, this is, uh, 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 and we'll talk about this a little later when we talk about nerdy paper gifts. But you know, I carry along with me a, a daily notebook, and then I've got a series of to-do lists that I carry along with me that is based on the David Allen system. And you know, I, I spin a lot of plates in my life, and his philosophies have really allowed me. Um, to, to organize uh, my work, which is an incredibly important thing to me. So, you know, consider this year giving the gift of inspiration, which I think all three of these books do a, a great job of.
0: Awesome. Uh, I have a couple more. Um, there's a book, and this is from uh, from our, my friend Lucy in Vermont. She's Tech Savvy Girl on Twitter. Um, the website is just soelectric.org. Uh, one of the things also we need to be concerned about in every single school is encouraging our young ladies to uh, get into coding and to also love math and to not give in to something that happens a lot of times in school and that is that the guys are there in the coding class and they're, you know, doing gaming and it's not uh, any kind of uh, of equitable situation where there are a lot of other um, young ladies and and also just female role models, et cetera. And it's not to say that sewing is just for women. Of course it is not. Um, but the opportunity to combine programming and electronics with textiles is definitely something that can be very appealing. And it's not necessarily, you know, something that you're seeing in a mainstream, you know, coding class or something like that. So that is a book called Sew Electric. Shout out to Lucy um, and you should definitely consider checking that out and again just like robotics is a great thing to have in school you know we need maker spaces but we also need opportunities as Lucy said um, she and her and her husband passed through uh, last week on their way to uh, Arizona and their they're snowbirds from Vermont and she put it this way that you know girls deserve the opportunity to learn with a peer group and if you only have one or two girls in a classroom filled with guys yes there are maybe the the chronological age peers, but uh, the the dynamics are very different there. So that's something my wife is passionate about and um, I'm excited hopefully to see a lot of young ladies in, the coding classes that we're going to have. I went ahead and put also a series of of Neil Postman books. Um, I hadn't read this one and I just actually started it last night, uh, Building a Bridge to the 18th Century, How the Past Can Improve Our Future. And as I'm reading this, it's been a while since I've read him. Um, the books I put on there were Amusing Our, Ourselves to Death, Technopoly, The End of Education, Teaching as a Subversive Activity, uh, really great pedagogy, Pretty much written, you know, before the Internet age and, the, and certainly the age of, of fake news and what we're seeing today. I think it's really healthy for us as educational technologists to have a strain of, of, of Luddite, you know, questioning. I'm not talking about rejecting technology, but definitely questioning technology. And so Postman can certainly help us do that. Um, I just love especially his focus on critical thinking and the way that we need to develop the capacity for for everyone to have a he calls it a crap detector. Uh, being able to discern, you know, what to believe, what to accept. Don't be sheep. Uh, just, you know, accepting what you're what you're ingesting. And he's talking a lot, especially amusing ourselves to death about television. So shout out to Postman. And then the last link is just to my Amazon reading, pardon me, reading wish list. Far more books that I would like to read than I will probably ever uh, make the time to read or, you know, have the money to purchase. Um, but whenever I'm finding a book that, you know, like you just recommended, uh, Jason, why don't kids students like school? I haven't read that. So I just added that to my Amazon wish list. If you're not using an Amazon wish list, that is a, a great thing. Uh, of course, I think there was an article recently about the data that was being sold Amazon to different folks about wish lists. And then the ways did we talk about that last week, that they were actually inserting into your wish list so that others would see it. Like this is even if you're going to share something like for a shower or whatever. Anyway, well, I'll find that article. Um, yeah, because that's not cool, right? You, you putting in an, an advertise, advertiser's link into my list so that anyway, that there's, there's some issues here. But in general, it's very nice to be able to say, "Hey, that's on Amazon." Boom! I throw that into my list, and um, yeah, that's that. It's also you know a way for you to probably get a couple hundred books that I have uh, encountered in the last couple years. That you know some of which I've read and some of which I haven't, but they they've made the list. So, where to next, Jason?
1: uh let's do a quick run through home networking equipment and this is another one that you know don't buy your nerdy friend that's an i t worker at, at at work don't don't buy that 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 person you know home networking equipment. But if you have someone that's a an enthusiast, like this might be something I would buy for uh, uh, my parents who uh, have outdated networking equipment, and this would be an opportunity for them to get something very modern. But um, I'll talk about the first one. And then uh, Wes, I think you put the second one in. Um, I, for those of you that are long time listeners to the podcast know that, that I moved into a new home in 2015 and it just so happens that I've had problems with Wi-Fi here and I don't know if it's, it's the makeup of the walls or whatever it is, but um, I fixed that by moving towards Google Wi-Fi which is a, um, uh, uh, a node based system that you allows you to put as many nodes up in your home that work what's called a mesh. And the idea behind the mesh is that if you put a number of these items together in where they can see each other, they'll create a really big wifi network that will allow you to have a, a great coverage by just adding another node to the mesh. And it's not cheap. Um, I have two of these devices in my home, so I paid, I think it was $100 a piece for them. But I went from having kind of spotty coverage in parts of my house to really covering, and I have a very long house, uh, covering my house really well. And so uh, it's a way to kind of create a really modern uh, networking system, especially if you have a a, a, a larger home that needs uh, a lot of coverage.
0: Awesome. And I went ahead and dropped in the Eero Um, You can read, you know, great articles and reviews comparing these next-generation mesh devices. We need to be updating the networking gear, the Internet of Things gear that we're having in our homes. Um, One of the most or probably the most important pieces. I mean, your laptop and, and your endpoint devices is critical, and we need to have security patches and all that. But that home router is hugely important, and the Wi-Fi that's connected, whether it's an integrated Wi-Fi or it's separate um, we need to be updating the firmware to that. We're just we're just not there as a society, right? I mean, the companies in general are not doing a great job making sure that we're aware of the security issues and, and committing to security and updates, et cetera. As I've done some reading about articles, I mean, if I had the extra whatever, $400 to drop, which I don't now, um, Eero is what I would pick up for our house. We're still on an older Apple, what, airport, you know, not express, but a whatever the time capsule and uh, anyway, it's doing the job, but not only from a speed standpoint, but also being smart in terms of how it's laid out in your home. Um, Google home will do some of this as well, like positioning three of these devices and then getting them in the best spots so that they're able to talk with each other. They have more channels. Um, you know, your old extender that you would do would end up using, you know, one of the radios just for the communication back and forth between the devices. And then, then when it's connecting out to, or sorry, it, it uses uh, one of those just to get back to the home base station. And, and anyway, doesn't have as much capacity and bandwidth for your other devices, so it's going to be a lot slower. These mesh devices are a lot faster. They're more robust, and they're also more secure. Uh, Google is doing a nice job pushing out security updates. Eero is as well. There's also some filtering um, features that are built into these kind of things. So, I, ooh, I'm, I need to put on here, actually, the the uh, Go, what is it called? Shoot, Disney. I'm trying to say Disney Go. Um oh, geez. I just gave my oh Circle. Thank you. Circle yeah. with Disney. Um, that's a little hundred dollar box that you can put on your network. And if you have um, you know children of almost any age that you want to take a look at what they're doing and then have some control over their different devices, that is the filtering box. So I'm gonna I'll put that in that same group. Um, but you've had the mesh for what Jason, probably a, a year. How, how long have you but had the Google, uh, watch year and
1: on? a half to two years, I think. And, um, and it's been really great. We've had no problems with any of the equipment and you're correct that, um, you know, we have the app installed on my phone and I'm able to see, like it pushes me a notification every couple of months. It's updated and tells me what the updates are. There's new security updates and, um, you know, I I agree. I think it's a, a nice modern way of doing it, and the fact that it it seems to be a, a little more automated, right? Like I've obviously set some things th- set things things up on it, but you know, most of the most of the processes on there kind of uh, happen to deal with themselves. So I I really like it. I think it's a pretty great thing, and you know, especially if you have someone that's that's like a tech enthusiast, but maybe is using the router that comes with uh, 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 came from the cable company. You know, tell them to buy something else. Like it's it's almost certainly going to be better to buy something um, like one of these devices or a, a, a modern uh, controllable router.
0: When well, we bought our circle for uh, by Disney, it was a hundred bucks. Now it's down to fifty-five, so that's actually yep. actually good. Um, would you buy the same Google Wi-Fi today, Jason? If you were uh, if you had an unlimited budget and you were purchasing again?
1: what? Yeah, it's it's been really great.
0: Okay, awesome. Uh, let's see. Let's jump to software. I got three fast ones here. Um, I have used the software Scrivener to write uh, books and ebooks books in the past, um, and that is a, a great piece of software. Um, but the one I discovered this last weekend is called Scapple, and it's by the same company. So it's uh, literatureandlatte.com. Um, but Scapple is a, a program for your Windows or Mac computer, and it really is like a – kind of high-powered mind map, uh, workflow, brainstorming, you know, throw your ideas down onto the screen and then see how you want to connect them and be able to share them. So I think that looks pretty cool. Another one that I put down here is ScreenFlow. If you've got a screencaster, a YouTuber in your world, I had the opportunity to introduce our now 15-and-a-half-year-old Rachel to um, screencasting. She wanted to, you know, set up a YouTube channel, and that was... a lot of Minecraft initially, and then it's become Sims, and and probably over the holidays she'll do some more. Ninth grade gets busy, so she hasn't been doing as much. But uh, ScreenFlow is, in my opinion, the best screen casting and screen recording software on the Mac platform, and uh, runs about a hundred dollars, and is definitely well worth it. And the final. Software item is actually a subscription and it ties to what I was just talking about with YouTubers and publishing Uh, It's called epidemic sound. And so I think Rachel was the one who discovered this A couple years ago and basically we pay something like ten dollars fifteen dollars. I should know this uh, per month, but what this allows is uh, Basically complete um, Copyright clearance. Yeah, 15 bucks a month for all the videos that are published on a single YouTube channel. So her YouTube channel is the one that we have tied to this subscription. Uh, But she has, you know, what does it say, 30,000 soundtracks and 60,000 sound effects. There are different places uh, and wonderful places that you can find some free tracks or Creative Commons shared audio files that you could put into uh, videos. But um, anyway, this is a great opportunity to talk about intellectual property and talk about copyright and those kind of things. And anyway, even though her production of videos has reduced our subscription to Epidemic Sound or uh yeah has has continued and uh that that's a great conversation to have with anybody who is gathering around your holiday table uh and is a youtuber you know how how do you, do you get music to put on your uh your videos how do you find that music how do you make sure you don't get a strike against your account right because you can have 3 strikes and you're out and then youtube you know just cancels all all of your videos and you lose your subscribers and everything else so those would be some software tools. Jason, any other software to add or anything that's that, – because that's a big thing. We have all these free tools, right? And we are big lovers of uh, Google Apps and all that kind of stuff. Is there any particular software tool that is a, a pay-for software and it's really one of your go-to
1: yeah, I would, I would say the one piece of software that is a non-negotiable for me, especially since I use cloud-based almost everything, is Snagit by TechSmith. And Snagit is, is twofold. It is a, a screenshot, uh, grabber in annotator, which is a wonderful, um, um, a, a wonderful thing to have, especially when you run a technical support desk, but it also has a great a screencasting feature where you can take a of things and then edit them. And uh, Snagit actually recently moved to a, uh, a once-a-year update, so now they, they have a new version of the software every year, and it keeps getting more and more and more and more functional. Um, an example of something that, that I use fairly frequently with the newest Snagit is that you can take a, uh, take a, a piece of a, of a screen that's text that's not copyable, in other words it's not it, it's not available to copy and paste, and it will use software optical character recognition software um, that uh, uh, on a, basically on a screenshot and pull the text out of there so you can copy and paste the text only into a document so every time the software updates it's great. I happen to have it at work. Uh, so uh, that is a covered piece of software for me. But if I were independent and working on my own, that's a piece of software I would buy all uh, by my load. So. Interesting
0: comment by Peggy in the chat room. Uh, she said that an ad popped up on my phone about fast networking almost immediately after I clicked on your link, uh, which was talking about Wi-Fi. Uh, yes, my comment was that is surveillance capitalism in action. <laughs> and we can talk more about that on another show because... Yes, surveillance capitalism underlies much of the modern web and especially the free tools that we use today. Let's see. Um, Quick smartphone stuff. Just a couple here. Uh, Shout out to my sister, Trudy in Liberty, Missouri. Uh, Thanksgiving. We're sitting around the table. And what do you have on your phone? Uh, She's got this ring and she has an iPhone 10 and she absolutely loves it because she doesn't want to use a case. You know, Steve Jobs designed the iPhone to be held without a case. He didn't want us to be shrouding our beautiful Apple technology, if we have that, uh, with, you know, plastic that, you know, a third-party manufacturer has created, which is, of course, a huge ecosystem for different manufacturers. Anyway, I don't know if this is the exact one that she has. I'll, if it's different, I'll find it, but it's only $10. This is the Humix Phone Ring Holder Stand and Universal Thin Finger Ring Grip. It's a long thing, but basically it sticks on the back of your phone. And so you can uh, put your finger through that. And that is your insurance policy in not dropping your phone because you you actually have, uh, you know, one of your your uh, hand appendages, one of your fingers through the the, uh, the ring. So the other thing that I put on here was uh, consider and I talk quietly because I don't think they're going to be listening to this. Uh, getting a used phone, right? It is wonderful. And I'm sure, you know, the economy and lots of folks are very happy when we buy brand new phones. But, uh, smartphones have gotten to the point where I would contend it's freaking ridiculous (laughs) to be spending, you know, top dollar, especially if you're going to be doing that on a regular basis. Some people have the disposable income to do that, but you can get really, really good used phones. And so the website I've linked is called Swappa. Um, I did put a link to the iPhones that are on Swappa they've got a lot of other phones that are available as well I won't disclose but there has been a purchase uh recently here that's going to excite one of the members of our family uh not for me but you know the youngest one will actually be getting a newer phone than one of the older ones. And it's because of Swappa. So you do want to be cautious and think about where you buy your used technology. Um, I have heard this recommendation from, uh, from Michelle, one of our librarians at school, who's had some really good luck with it. Uh, you can take a look at how many, you know, sales just kind of like eBay and other things, you know, has this person this a first time seller and and those kind of things. Um, they've got different ratings for the phones. Um, and then you're able to see where, what that phone is selling for, you know, so for that model with that number of gigabytes, you know, what's the, the range? And so I think it's, uh, pretty good to, you know, hopefully not get ripped off in terms of paying more than you should. Um, it's also a place that you can sell your technology. So if you want to do that either before the holidays or because you or someone in your family gets a new device, it's something to think about. Um, and that might be a way to recoup some money as you work out the smartphone ecosystem if you need to with your family members in terms of what gets traded back and forth and passed along and who gets what
1: okay I'm gonna do a couple of uh, kind of I guess analog uh, gift ideas here and and I before I was ever a computer nerd I was a super paper nerd um, I, for my uh, when I was uh, seven years old my parents for Christmas got me a gift certificate for an office supply store in Great Falls which I loved by the way I spent like four hours and they're spending 20 bucks in, in like 1982 but I've got four quick recommendations for you actually five quick recommendations for you that are super great um, I'm a notebook Guy. I like notebooks. Notebooks are really nice. And I love these. These are field notes. Uh these are um uh I'm not handmade, but I guess I don't know, hipster-made, uh notebooks out of Chicago. And these are spendy. I mean, that's the problem with them, is they're they're supposed to be they're inspired by what's kind of they're called old seed catalog notebooks that when you were buying seeds in the nineteen thirties and forties, you'd show up and there would be little uh, notebooks that had advertisements on them for seed companies. And, you know, farmers and ranchers would keep them in their pocket and write data down in them. And Field Notes was inspired by that to create these uh, these Field Note notebooks. And they cost about 3 to 4 bucks a piece. Um, I, I asked for this Christmas from my in-laws a subscription. Uh, two field notes. You can buy kind of a quarterly box of them that have special editions and stuff. But they're just little 24-page uh, notebooks. Um, and I happen to carry mine in this wonderful leather um, uh, leather pouch that I, I purchased from uh, Etsy. Uh, uh, a person on Etsy sells these. And there are, are, are hundreds and hundreds of, of different cases of them. But I love my little... A notebook uh, that is in here. It looks professional at a meeting. I think it feels nice in the hand. And, um, you know, in every couple of weeks, I change out uh, to a new notebook um, and 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 utilize um, a, a new notebook each time. And then I catalog these. I have them numbered, and they're sitting in a box in my office so I can go back and look at old meeting notes or old things I jot down. And I love writing things down. I think that's something that's been very important for me. And there's a little bit of learning science in that, too. But this has been a, a great addition to my daily carry. Um, if you want an alternative to that there's also a really nice thing from a, a kind of a, an older company. Um, they're called uh, field books, which are a little cheaper. They're about they're about two dollars a piece. You can buy them on the Amazon, and the Elam Publishing Company, which has been making scientific and other specialty notebooks for decades and decades and decades, have field books. They're also really nice and high quality. Um, if you're looking for a general notebook recommendation, the Moleskin notebooks are super nice, um, and I highly recommend those. If you like carrying on a larger notebook with you, and they come in different sizes. And then I also have two gift pen recommendations. And I, I am a pen nerd. I'm not a $200 pen nerd. And I'm not quite a um, uh, you know a fountain pen nerd. Uh, although, man, it's tempting to get into that nerdery. Um, but the two pens that I, I really love to use. This is my daily carry pen. Um, it is a, a Zebra F701 pen. It's an all-metal pen. They have great... Uh, quite wonderful uh, refills. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice writing pen. It's great in the field uh, notes, notebook, and uh, these cost, you know, 10 uh, bucks ish and it's a really nice pen. Um, and uh, I like the all-metal design, and I think Wes, I, you probably saw when we've been face-to-face, I like to twirl a good pen. It's a part of my debate heritage, and I still love twirling a pen, and the metal pens are nice for that. And the other one, I, I had one, and then a couple of years ago, it uh, meant an unfortunate accident. But the other cool kind of nerdy pen you can get are called the Fisher Space Pens. Uh, space Pens are... Uh, the reason why they're called Space Pens is because they write upside down in zero gravity if you happen to be spending a lot of time in zero gravity. But um, they're they're nice quality metal pens. There's a, a number of models. The one I like is the all-black matte pen. It's an $18 pen um, on, on Amazon. It's a really high-quality pen. And so... Uh, those are all great kind of you know, paper nerd recommendations.
0: Awesome. Um, one other thing I didn't mention on the on this on the smartphone was, you know, <clears throat> at least Apple is replacing their batteries cheaper. You got to be aware if you know if that's probably one of the biggest risks. You know, you may you may yeah. get a phone and it may look great. Um, Of course, it may be also really scratched, but, you know, be prepared that you might have to, you know, put a new battery in it. Uh, Let's do a a couple STEM STEAM Labs. Um, Microbit. This is something that... The, the BBC has actually developed, and it's called microbit.org. I have not done a lot with this, but we are doing a lot at our middle school makerspace with microbit, um, the LEDs, um, lots and lots of different projects and, and code you can use. It's also really affordable. This isn't super expensive, so this isn't going to be uh, as pricey and costly as, you know, one of the, the robots that I had mentioned before. And so you can go onto their website, uh, click on a variety of different um, manufacturers that are going to be able to sell you this and ship it to you. Uh, yes, of course, you can go to Amazon as well and just put in micro bit. And I think it's going to be something in the neighborhood of um, maybe, you know, $20 or something like that. Um, let me see. I should have that. I didn't put all the prices um buy those. So yeah, twenty five bucks. So, you know, for starter kit, twenty you know, twenty bucks. You know, it's in it's in that kind of a range. Um I also put a link to the Makey Makey. Makey Makey's should be absolutely mandatory for all you know, Makerspace, STEM, STEAM type uh, experiences. One of my favorite ways to see kids of any age use the Makey Makey is to have different kinds of creative game controllers. So students can create a game in a platform like Scratch, but then they can use aluminum foil or other kinds of conductive materials. Uh, when I was at ETEC Ohio this last Jan or February of last year, um, you know, I saw just some awesome, awesome game controllers that kids, you know, had had, had been able to make using their feet. Um, you know, of course, a lot of times just using hands, but very, very creative. And uh, you can, you know, use your imagination for input devices. And then Jay Silver is one of the guys who originally came up with the Makey Makey, and he's got another product. I've actually got this. This is just very whimsical and fun, but it's called the Dradio. And so um it it says what is Drawdio? imagine you could draw musical instruments on normal paper with any pencil a cheap circuit thumb t- thumb tacked on and then play them with your finger the Drawdio circuit craft lets you macgyver your everyday objects into musical instruments paintbrushes macaroni trees grandpa even the kitchen sink so it is just awesome and uh you know the folks at MIT are pretty smart. And so they've come up with some very, you know, wonderful platforms like Scratch for coding that are free that that millions of of kids and and learners of all ages around the world use. Um, Makey Makey and Droneo are things that I learned about via the Lifelong Kindergarten Group, Shout out to Mitch Resnick, Res M-R-E-S, on Twitter if you don't follow him. Uh, really all kinds of creative folks that are helping us develop our computational thinking skills and also just having fun using technology. You know, we can be very proud and open about our geekiness today, right? Because geeks are, in many cases, shaping the world, and we're going to be continuing to shape the world, and we want to help raise up a generation of ethical makers and creators and coders. And so these kinds of tools really have, you know, a lot of exciting potential to, to the extent that they could certainly inspire students to be creative and think about the ways that their imagination can, you know, be manifested in the physical world. Jason, you've got a bunch of stocking stuffers. I know we're close to the top of the hour, but I definitely think we probably Probably need to hit those before we're done, and then maybe we might have time for a couple others, but it's, it's about time. So what should, what should I hope Santa is going to put in my stocking this year?
1: Well, I wanted to find some things that were cheap things that are, are well-made and of good quality that the general geek would like to have, even as just a side or a backup piece. So I'm going to start off with my favorite headphones are the Monoprice 8323 DJ headphones. They cost $17, and they are not only uh uh, uh completely indestructible, they sound amazing for $17 headphones, you can't get better. And I've had people that are admitted audiophiles tell me that no, they don't counter the $800 headphones, but for $17 they're an absolute steal. And you could also buy for just a couple of dollars more those with Bluetooth on them. Uh, wired or Bluetooth available. The Bluetooth also have a wire on them as well. They're my favorite travel headphones because if they disappear, they get lifted, I leave them behind in a hotel, I go and spend $17 and I have a brand new pair. Those are the Monoprice 8323s direct from Monoprice. One um, Price also has two wonderful Bluetooth speakers. Um, I've seen one of these uh, in person and the other one I've just read reviews. One of them is a very large Bluetooth speaker called the Melody Large Bluetooth Speaker. It is a, a super excellent um, uh, uh, a large Bluetooth speaker. It's 30 bucks. You can't go wrong. For a $30 a large uh, desktop Bluetooth speaker. Their smaller Harmony Bluetooth speaker is also uh, excellent. This is the one that I've actually seen in person. It is currently on sale for $34. And if you go daily to the Mono price website at like every fourth or fifth day, they have a 20% off 40% off 10% off deal. And I'm sure they will before Christmas um other great gifts micro sd cards if you know someone that's into digital photography or owns an android phone um uh uh, micro sd cards are great gifts and they keep dropping in price i put links to uh, 128 gigabyte micro sd cards great stocking stuff for a 256 card also great stocking stuff for these things are down to the um 128 gigabyte one is down to 20 bucks right now. The 256 is down to $45. I have a 256 sitting in my smartphone. I have like, you know, four or five weeks of music on my phone now, along with hundreds of hours of movies and television that can travel with me on my Android phone. Great stocking stuffer. Um, I also have some cable recommendations. This one I bought really cheaply because they were on sale to get them uh, to get them going. And as it turns out, I wish they had these for USB-C or micro USB. This is the Monoprice. Jeans shoestring a uh, cable it looks like uh, you know a shoelace uh, it 's hardy like a shoelace but it's a it 's a, a lightning cable and uh, it's a great uh, hardy cable they 've got metal interwove into the fabric and it's really a sturdy sturdy cable and for what they're selling these things for, which uh, the last time I checked was about ten bucks a cable, not only is that oh it's nine hundred forty nine a cable right now for the smallest one um, and and just ten forty nine for the three foot cable. This is the three foot edition here. I bought these a lot cheaper when they were first introduced. I think it's worth it at twice the price. And Does so, it hold
0: up though? I mean, is it going to go bad on
1: me? Um, well, I've only had it for three months, and this is a backup cable for me. But um, so far, so good. And I will say, generally speaking, every MonoPrice cable I've purchased um, has has. In there for, the, for the, the duration of my need for it. And so that's been pretty great. Um, I also have three other power cable recommendations. They're the Anker Powerline Plus Cables available on Amazon, uh, USB-C, Apple Lightning, and micro USB cables. I can also say I've never had an Anchor cable uh, go wrong on me, and I believe those have lifetime warranties. So they'll replace them um, if it is. It's a worry-free lifetime warranty. And my understanding is that everyone... Um, uh, everyone that has uh, uh, gone for the warranty has has received a new cable without question. Wonderful, wonderful cables and then of course, a power bank is also uh, a nice nerdy gift. Uh, the one i 'm recommending is the anchor. Um, uh, the, the candy bar one, it's the, the little tiny power bank. I got a couple power banks, uh, larger one that I carry with me right now. But every Anchor product I've purchased is, has been really, really quite wonderful. And for 24 bucks for a 67 milliamp hour battery, which would fill up most smartphones twice an iPad once, it's a pretty great thing to have in in, in your pocket, your purse, your briefcase, your backpack. Um, wonderful, wonderful item. And then. One last quick recommendation. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, this goes back to the EDC or everyday carry people, but I purchased this for my trip uh, to Costa Rica a couple of weeks ago, and I love it. It is the J5 Tactical LED Mini Flashlight. Um, it, it, it's a nice, hardy flashlight. It has a... I think it's a AAA battery that's sitting um, in this device, and it's, it's metal, which I like. I like metal stuff. I'm sorry. It's a A battery, which is even better. A AA battery sitting in the device. It's a wonderful, small, bright flashlight that fits well in my everyday carry bag. Um, And um, uh, it's it's a this would also be a great nerdy stocking stuffer. And, you know, in the era of preparedness, you can never have too many flashlights sitting around.
0: One thing I'd add as a little tip, as you're shopping, uh, check the colors as well as links, Uh And then, in addition to the Monoprice website, you know, check Amazon. Um, I'm finding that shoestring Monoprice actually for three, the three foot version, uh, f- with you know, 100 and, 102 reviews, uh, for 8.49. But yes. the uh, one and a half foot version is is mysteriously like 12.50. So yep. Uh, check your colors. That's something true for cases and things like that too. Uh, sometimes you can see some some differences. Sometimes that makes a big difference, sometimes not. Uh, but you definitely do want to be careful about cables. That's why I asked if that one was going to hold out. We've yep. had some negative experiences, especially with lightning chargers, uh, and then some to just punk out and seem to not work and right. probably have, have some that we need to throw away. So. Right. My last ones are down at the bottom under Other Ideas. Uh, we did this a couple of years ago for our son. We probably won't do it this year. Uh, but both Tesla and SpaceX have apparel and branded items on their store. So it's kind of a cool thing. Uh, you know, he enjoys wearing his, his SpaceX. There's a There was a cool um, T-shirt that was uh, about terraforming Mars and, and Tesla. So anyway, that's just even though I think Elon Musk is having some trouble on some different levels, personal front as well as, uh, you know, professional. I think he's had some fines lately. You know, those companies are phenomenal and doing exciting things. And for the geek in your life, that might be something cool to have some branded, branded uh, material. Uh, really just kind of a wild one, Embark um, has a dog DNA test kit. Now, on a very serious note, I would not recommend taking a DNA test. Anything can be hacked. Any information, no matter who has it, you know, can be obtained by somebody else. And it's just going to be a matter of time before we hear this is Wes's, like, what, what, uh, you know, grumpy old whatever, you know, cur- curmudgeon. Uh, we're going to just hear more and more about how, you know, somebody's denied insurance or something bad happened, you know, as a result of, of DNA. But – what could happen for your dog? Probably not much. And if you want to drop $160, you can get the full DNA workup on where your favorite canine came from and on their ancestors. I thought that was kind of a cool geeky thing if, if you've got some disposable income to do that. Uh, I also dropped a few personal links. So I have a video library subscription. I do generally a weekly video tutorial, and I've been doing that uh, actually pretty intensely for the past uh, three months. But I've got a bunch of videos that go back further. Uh, so, you know, if you're wanting to be able to uh, hear more from, from me specifically. Uh, that's been kind of an experiment that I've really been, been doing for a while. Um, I've also got a store on Society Six with some of my favorite pictures, especially some that I took up near your neck of the woods, Jason, when we were up in the, uh, Tetons and Yellowstone and up in the lovely country of Wyoming. Uh, actually it's a state, but it does seem like another country. Uh, and then lastly, I put a link to some of my ebooks, which some of those are a little old, but, Hopefully we'll be updating some of those. So anything additional at the end, Jason, that you would like to share and make sure people do not miss out on?
1: Um, no, I think we've covered the thing uh, pretty well. I would give a, another uh, 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 plus one to the DNA kit for your dog. Uh, we have a mut. Um, she's getting to be uh, somewhat ancient now, so we don't know how long sh- much longer she'll be with us, but uh, we picked her up at, at a uh, animal shelter in Butte, Montana. It's been the best dog ever. We love her to pieces. would lay in traffic for her, but um, she is a variety of mixes, it turns out. My wife bought me that for my birthday a couple of years ago, and it was totally delightful. Um, it, the report was interesting, um, and we uh, learned a little more, little more about some of the breeds that, that are in her ancestry, and it made a lot of sense, actually, by both her looks and her temperament, um, and uh, the DNA thing was really interesting. Awesome.
0: Well, Jason, where can folks find you when you're not here on Wednesday, pontificating upon the truth that you can discern from the headlines for EdTech as well as your Santa recommendations?
1: Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, TechSavvyTeach. Uh, I work uh, daily with the Montana Digital Academy, MontanaDigitalAcademy.org, also MontaDigicad on Twitter. Um, and I also work with the Northwest Council for Computer Education, uh, blog.ncc.org is the blog. Um, and also follow them on Twitter, ncc_edtech, underscore where we like to share pretty regular uh, interesting bits about technology and interesting things about classrooms. What about uh-huh. you, sir? Awesome.
0: Well, rumor is we may have a face-to-face meetup coming up in February at the NCCE Conference. So I think I'll hopefully be getting said airfare and things like that finalized this week. So uh, that will be exciting. I am W. Fryer on Twitter, periodically sharing on speedofcreativity.org. And we'll probably be um, updating you know some um, some books and things like that in upcoming months because that's one of my objectives for the year. So we want to thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Peggy in our chat room. Thanks to those who have contributed uh, ideas. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Do follow us at EdTechSR. Remember to check out our show notes at edtechsr.com slash links. And until next time, we encourage you to stay safe, stay savvy, and good luck shopping for the geeks in your life.